one of the biggest challenges facing B2B SaaS companies is churn and all kinds of different issues around churn, people leaving you. And unfortunately, sometimes we don't know exactly why these customers are churning. We don't know what's causing it. Fortunately, Baird Hall came in. He's with Churnkey, and that's what they focus on. They focus on helping you solve all those churn issues. And he's got some amazing ideas that he shares with us here on what you can do to quickly eliminate some of your churn and to get these customers back even after they've churned. He walks us through specifics that you can take away so you can keep more customers and get more back. You're going to love this one. Welcome to Scale Your SaaS, the podcast that gives you proven techniques and formulas for boosting your revenue and achieving your dream exit. Brought to you by a guy who's done just that multiple times. Here's your host, Matt Wallach. Hello and welcome to Scale Your SaaS. I am Matt, I'm your host, and we are here to help you understand how to make your company so much better. Generate more leads, grow those deals, get more deals in the door, scale your team, whatever it is, so that you can get to those awesome goals and dreams that you've come up with for your company. If you want to do those things, definitely subscribe to the show. Hit the subscribe button right now. That way you'll get all of our tips, tricks, ways of doing great stuff and meeting all of the awesome people around the SaaS world, like who I have here with me today. Baird Hall is with us. Baird, how you doing? Hey, Matt. I'm good. I've got fresh cold brew here and Talking scaling SaaS is SaaS is one of my favorite things, so I'm 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 pumped. I love it. I love it. I'm pumped as well. And everybody out there, I've used Baird, Baird's products in the past. He is awesome at what he does, building software companies. He's done a great job of it, building very profitable companies. And you're going to hear a lot about how to do that. And I want to make sure everybody knows who you are, Baird. So Baird, he's the co-founder at Churnkey. Churnkey is a comprehensive solution that enhances customer retention by providing personalized cancel flows and recovering failed payments, all while driving customer-driven product development to optimize company growth. Baird is dedicated, and his passion for launching and growing SaaS companies is awesome. In fact, he relishes the creative challenges that come with entrepreneurship. He collaborates with subscription business owners and operates to minimize churn and enhance their business's vitality. He's also the co-founder at Subtitle. By the way, this is a product that if you follow me for a while, you've seen because we use it. It's subtitles on your videos really simply, and it automatically adds these captions. So it's used by all kinds of people. Definitely use it if you haven't yet. But Baird, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, likewise. So uh, tell me what's going on with you lately and what's coming up. I'm spending most of my time um, running our sales and customer success teams at Churnkey. We've been around for about three years now, and we work primarily with high-volume subscription businesses, which as of late has been a lot of AI companies. We've been signing on a lot of high-growth AI companies um, just because they have so much inbound right now. And as a result, they have a lot of churn. So we've been working closely with them and uh, building a sales team, building a customer success team. And uh, for the first time in five companies, learning the whole B2B playbook, everything from long sales cycles to renewals and customer success. This is all new to us and we're learning it. We're having a lot of fun though. So cool. I love it. So by the way, Trinky is amazing, but how did you come up with the idea for that? So it started with tools that we built internally for our previous companies. So we started a podcast marketing software called Wave that would create audiograms that would take audio clips from MP3s and turn them into Instagram posts. Uh, we started when there was about 200,000 podcasts out there. And now there's 
last I checked, it was like over two and a half million, probably more now. Wow. And, um, so we just right place, right time with that product and took off and, and grew that. And then, um, we were in the first ones to do vi- uh, automated video captioning with subtitle. And we are really good at inbound marketing and, um, growth driven by freemium models, which meant a lot of inbound, a lot of customers coming in, signing up for low dollar price points. And so, we just spent all of our time fighting churn. We would have 12, 15, 18% churn and some of our different cohorts. And we actually wanted to sell one of those businesses. And every time that we took it to market, our churn was the biggest black eye on the valuation. Um, so we just said, let's take, take a whole year and do nothing but focus on churn. And, um, so the long story short here is we built a lot of these tools that you see with Churnkey. We built them for previous businesses. We sold those companies decided to take those different tools, package them up into one retention platform. And that's how Chernkey was born. And it's been about three years now. We're a little over 200 companies and growing fast month over month. Uh, It was a pretty painful year hitting product market fit. But once we did that, it's been been good. Um, It's been a a fun year and a half since then. And um, we're kind of off to the races now. I love it. It's it is definitely a, a struggle sometimes getting to that product market fit point, but once you do, now it becomes super fun. And like you said, mm-hmm. off to the races. That's uh, I've been in several situations like that. It's always a good time. I want to know though. You're right. A lot of people experience bad churn. It's really frustrating. Can you share some strategies that are pretty innovative on on how we can improve that that churn rate and make it better so that we have more retention? Yeah, I mean, you can. We we could talk for a whole, you know, a long time just on churn in general, but from the highest level, I think what I see a lot of subscription businesses miss, because now I'm talking a handful every day, is uh, just the, the first thing to understand is that, you know, the customer you're selling to, B2B individuals, different types of businesses, uh, the person, you know, who you're selling to and your pricing model and pricing point, all three of those things come together to determine really generally where your churn range is going to fall. Um, so a good example is, you know, if you're B2C, you're selling to individuals, you know, call it a wellness app or diet tracking app or something like that. You're probably going to be seeing, you know, double digit churn um, ranges. And so I think the first thing is understanding, like looking at benchmark data and figuring out where you think your churn range should be, where you fall on that scale. That's probably step one. Um, and then, you know, as far as turnkey goes, what, what we really uncovered that, oh, that started the company and is still driving it as our flagship product is understanding that when customers are canceling, there's a good portion of those that don't actually want to cancel. They would prefer to find a different arrangement, but because they can't, they're just going to cancel the product. Um, so that, that's really where turnkey all started was the, the aha moment was, we realized about 40% of our canceling customers didn't actually want to cancel. They needed a, they needed a month off. They needed um, a discount. They needed customer support. They needed something, something was missing. Um, and because we weren't offering that, they would go ahead and cancel. Um, so it really depends on your segment, but generally somewhere between 15 and 40% of canceling customers will actually stay if you give them the right offer. And kind of the, just give, I'll give the playbook away here on recovering, canceling customers. There's kind of three pillars of doing it very well. One is segmenting. So making sure that you're giving the right cancellation flow to the right customer. Good example. If somebody has been with you for six years and they've spent thousands of dollars. You don't want to treat them like somebody that signed up six days ago. You want to talk, you want to treat and offer these customers very different things. Um, so that's, that's step one, segment, segment your, 
customers as they're canceling, give them the right flow. The second is you personalize the cancellation process. You remind them why they came, remind them of the value or that future they were trying to get to with your product. So let's say you sell, sell a sales enablement tool, remind them of how many sales they've made or how many emails that they've sent out um, and re, you know bring them into the present moment of why they're canceling. And then based on why they say they're canceling, give them the right offer. And when you can have all three of those things come together, you can save a high number of customers. Customer success teams have known this for a long time, and they do this by picking up the phone and talking to customers when, you know, the the price point is worth it and they have a customer success manager assigned. But when you're selling, you know, 10, 15, $30 subscriptions, the economics don't work out. So you need to have automated systems that basically replicate the customer success playbook in a very quick fashion um, in the cancellation flow. So that's kind of the highest, like if, if I could like distill our philosophy down um, into kind of one answer, that's probably the the, the shortest I can do. Um, I think a lot of people also don't think about the psychology of why customers are canceling. And it's, I think we always assume that customers are like running logic in their head of saying like, oh, okay, here's how many times I've used it. Here's the price point. Here's how much time I've spent. They're not canceling it, you know, in, unless you're selling a higher dollar B2B product, uh, and you have a, you know, annual contract renewals. If you're on a monthly subscription, customers are generally like autonomous. They're, they're reacting to a gut level uh, emotion. And mm-hmm. they, for example, they see the credit card bill. They remember that they're going on vacation for three weeks and they say, why am I paying for this? I'm going to go cancel. Uh, and if you don't interrupt that process and like try to intervene, they're just going to cancel and not think about it when really they maybe would have stayed if you give them the right opportunity. So um, anyway, yeah, can talk a lot about canceling customers because that's uh, been our flagship product for a few years now. I love it. I can tell you're passionate about it. And I love talking with experts like yourself and how detailed they get. Like you said, let's segment these people. Let's treat them differently. And this is something that on the sales process side that I help people with, we really focus on because you should be treating people based on where they came from and who they are and the size and all that stuff. And similarly, like you said, if they've been with you for three years versus they've been with you for three days, that's quite a difference. And I love how how you can identify that and make sure that we're giving the right message and the right handling to the right people. And, and you, you also mentioned some of the reasons why they might cancel. Do you feel like customer education is one of those reasons? And 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 if so, what are what are you doing? What's been effective to help those customers understand a little bit more about maybe why they should stick around. Definitely. And it's generally most prevalent with uh, the cohort of canceling customers that are canceling in a very uh, short window. So within seven, 14, 30 days of signing up, they're canceling. Mm -hmm. It's usually because they didn't have the education to get activated. And um, our most sophisticated customers that have this issue, what they, a video has really been the, I mean, aside from picking up the phone and actually you know, do it a Zoom call. That's the best. But at scale, you can't do that. And so uh, one of our largest AI companies um, that just grew insanely fast, they had a big issue with this because um, their product, you, you did, you kind of needed to step through a little bit of tutorials to really fully activate. Um, and what they did is actually they embedded videos within the product and within their cancellation flows. And then targeted those customers that hadn't achieved a certain number of actions or watched a certain number of videos and gave them different offers to get them back into a a video content, like kind of e-learning course. Hmm. Uh, And that 
that was really effective. So th- that's probably the best way that we've seen quickly at scale to educate user base is uh, is with video. Love it. Yeah, that sounds amazing. That's definitely something that I can see would be really effective. Let me ask you what metrics you mentioned a couple earlier and metrics that you felt like were very frustrating for you for your own company. But what type of churn metrics should people be aiming for, depending on the type of business they are? I think it all starts with your ARPU. So your average revenue per user, that's going to drive a lot of what's going to happen with churn um, just from the nature of how people buy and, and cancel products. Um, so that's probably the first place to start. You know, the basics are, uh, you know, logo churn versus revenue churn and then breaking your churn into different cohorts um, and, you know, doing churn analysis based on uh, the different plans that you offer, also annual versus uh, monthly. We're starting to see customers get more sophisticated with billing and do more like quarterly and seasonal billing, which mm. is kind of interesting. I, I, I wouldn't say I'm, I've become an expert on that, but I'm seeing that more, which is kind of unique. Um, mm-hmm. But if I had to pick one metric that gets overlooked by customers when they're thinking about just not just churn, but their custom, their, we, we call it customer subscription health, just the overall health of your subscription base is reactivations. It's the one number that nobody ever knows when I ask them is that when say, Hey, what's your reactivation rate out of the customers that cancel? How many of them come back? And if you're seeing a 10, 15, 20 plus percent reactivation rate, those, it's interesting to think that like those customers didn't really churn. They took a break. And that's a very different mm. way to think about your that part of your customer base and how you want to treat them. And this is what we've been focusing on lately at Churnkey is uh, the concept of reactivating previously churned customers, and um, which a lot of SaaS businesses in the past, it's just been kind of a marketing email, right? So, okay, these people canceled. Six months later, let's hit them with a the newsletter. Let's keep them in the newsletter, keep them in our drip campaign. But what we've been looking at, and uh, was the new products launching next Thursday. Um, podcast might be out by then. Um, it, our reactivations product, and what we're doing is actually taking all this data that customers put in when they cancel, why they canceled, how much they use the product, what plan they were on, how many invoices have they paid, and then we use that data. We run AI on, the, AI on it on the back end to give them a score. And then that determines when we email the customer and what offer we give them to have them come back. Um, because we think reactivations is really kind of the one untapped um, kind of metric when it comes to subscription health that custom, that a lot of SaaS businesses aren't tapping into, uh, which we're really excited about. Um, so that's probably the one that really jumps out. If, if you don't know your reactivation rate, just go in. If you're using Stripe, um, you can scroll. It's kind of buried down on the um, billing mm-hmm. metrics chart, but it's down there and you can see the uh, number of customers that come back. That's amazing. And I can tell you just working with a lot of SaaS companies, very few people are tracking that, but it's absolutely <laughs> powerful. And I can see that you can put some process and some steps in place to make sure that that rate grows up. So you start getting more people coming back. I love that. And uh, I think it's super cool that you've been able to share that. I love hearing about metrics that not a lot of people are tracking, like not the regular buzz metrics. So thank you for for sharing that. I want to ask you now, since you're kind of a serial entrepreneur, you're creating all these companies. Have you found that there's similarities in what you need to do and what you can do to grow a company or have they all kind of been different experiences and it has it been something where you have to kind of relearn each time? So that's a great question. And I love talking about this because I was so surprised with how different a B2B company is to run versus a company that sells to prosumers 
versus B2C. I, I think I'm unique in the fact that I've done one of each. I've had a, we had a failed B2C mobile app company. Then we sold to prosumers. So they weren't businesses. These were like freelancers, content creators. And then now we're doing a B2B company. And I mean, there's a lot of general foundational principles like, you know, listen to your customer. Pricing's always hard. Sales is always hard. You know, sales really translates through all of them. But I, I bet we lost a whole year trying to run our playbook from previous companies, trying to build Cherokee and not understanding why it wasn't working because Cherokee wow. is a traditional B2B. We tried to automate the onboarding. We tried to use inbound marketing to drive sales. We tried, um, freemium. Uh, we tried launching multiple products when at the end of the day, we had to, we needed to do traditional B2B, get on the phone, pick up the phone and have phone calls and do traditional B2B sales. And that's what works really well because we have multiple stakeholders in a general sale. Uh, there's also an implementation process. Now we're having to learn, like we actually need like an implementation, uh, somebody leading implementations to make sure customers get successful where that was just not part of our world before this. So, um, yeah, I would say that like, the thing that really sticks out is just how different B2B is from mm-hmm. other types of subscription businesses that you build. Um, that's, it was just for me personally, it was really eye opening. Yeah. And I, I, I can see that as well with a lot of people who come to me and need help growing. They're often people who have experience outside of B2B and they're very frustrated because they've tried it with their company. They've tried to do this or that, and it just hasn't worked. And you're right. It is very different when you get into a B2B scenario and it just doesn't quite work with some of the other things that you might've done before. So uh, I, I definitely echo that from what I've heard myself. So tell me, Turnkey, you got in, started growing it. What were some of the best things that you guys did in your early days that helped you get that early success? You know, we started with our cancel flow product, which um, we had a hard time with because we didn't understand what the sales process needed and what that looked like. Uh, so, but as as we were, the, the one thing that really changed the company and and yeah, the, the thing that really changed the company is when we launched our failed payment product. So we were talking to a lot of businesses, pitching them our cancel flows, trying to explain to them how much revenue they could save and the return on investment from the pricing. You know, we'd go through the whole sales pitch. And then um, they would say, well, you know, I'm already using something else for failed payment notifications, which is a different side of churn. It's usually smaller than voluntary. So for those that aren't aware, voluntary churn is when a customer voluntarily goes to click the cancel button involuntary is when their payment fails subscription gets canceled and they turn that way mm-hmm. um, so finally we decided well let's just build a quick fail payment product um, that can send emails out um, and we kind of added some some features that were better than what stripe had um, and then once we added that customers started buying our cancel flow product more because they could then do everything from one place and so that's what really sparked this whole idea of we need to build a platform that has all everything you need to fight churn all in one place. Um, and ever since we've done that and the more products we add on top or, or I should say to the side of our cancellation flow product, uh, just the, the better signals we're getting from the market. Um, and so reactivations is launching next week. We also have a customer health tool that runs AI machine learning models on your um, billing and product data to predict churn before it happens. Um, and then we also have precision retries, which is a competing product to stripes, uh, auto retries, um, which is kind of a little different, um, variation on that. So 
that's probably the the one realization that made things really start clicking for us and start growing. I love it. Sounds like the product's loaded too. Amazing stuff. Um, yeah. I want to make sure everybody gets information on, on how to get set up with Turnkey in a second. But before we do that, what advice do you have for other software founders who are starting out and want to get some of that success you've seen? One of the most valuable things, I would say two things. One is I could have never, and I, I usually like to preface this before I even start talking on a podcast, could not have done any of this without my co-founders. I've had, you know, every company has been a little bit different of a cap table over the years, uh, but there's always been connective threads of uh, co-founders from one to the next. And just having a group of co-founders is, and we all complement each other and uh, we all trust each other and uh, we take these risks together. And um, I, I think like having the right co-founder can make the world a difference. And I think a lot of people say that you know the quickest way to kill a company is to have a bad co-founder fit from the get-go. Um, so that's one thing. And then also, I, I've never really had many mentors. Um, I've had a few, which I, you know, I wouldn't want to leave out, you know, but um, having peers, other talking to other founders that are going through it and not just on message boards. I mean, like going to lunch, hopefully, if you're in a place with other software founders and uh, every quarter, I, I try to meet up with a handful of different um, SaaS founders uh, in my neighbor, in my area here in Charleston, South Carolina, and uh, just having peers where you go through because a lot of times you talk to other founders and you realize that the problems that you have are not super unique and your world's actually not falling apart and things aren't as bad as you think they are. So a lot of times um, that can just be really therapeutic. Um, so I would say those two, you know, not very tactical SaaS company building advice, but more just entrepreneurial support kind of ideas. Oh, I think that's critical. And that's something that a lot of people are looking for. And in fact, you know, we run a, a SaaS roundtable where just like you said, B2B leaders, they get together and they share ideas, they share challenges. And you're right. A lot of them realize it's not very unique and it's not something that um, the world's not falling down. And it's 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 really powerful when you can feel the same types of things that others are feeling and get through it together. So that's that's great advice for sure. I really appreciate you sharing that. I want to make sure everybody understands how they can learn more about Churnkey and yourself, Baird. What's the best way for them to do that? So if you want to find me, the easiest way, I'm as of last week, I'm the only Baird Hall on LinkedIn. So if you search me on LinkedIn, I will pop up, uh, which is kind of a nice little feature for right now. Um, but you can also go to churnkey.co. So churnkey.co. Um, you can go learn about everything that we offer. And we have a lot of guide, free guides and resources on our website. We have case studies and use cases. You can we have some people that will just consult on how to build some of the advice that we give and they'll just implement it themselves. So there's a lot of good stuff you can get from our site or track me down on the LinkedIn, say hi. Um, I do some angel investing as well. So if there's any, if anybody wants to reach out about that, um, would love to connect. Or if you just want to talk SaaS or retention, I'm, I'm usually hanging out on LinkedIn. Very cool. We'll put all that in the show notes. So if you're listening, you can grab it all there, but Barry, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And thank you all for being here. Really appreciate it. Again, make sure you're subscribed to the show. You don't want to miss any other amazing guests like Baird where they share their expertise as well. So thank you very much for coming and we'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to Scale Your SaaS. For more help on finding great leads and closing more deals, go to mattwallick.com.